Hello, everyone, and welcome into Talking Schmidt. It's been a been about two weeks since our last episode. Had some time. Was taking a lot of trips, uh, having to travel around for a lot of OVC basketball. So I wanted to uh, get myself some time where I could actually get a Wednesday night off. George had been pestering me a little bit. He was like, "Hey, man, um, where have you been at?" So. Let's get things started here. I actually have two guests that are going to be here with me today, uh, and and hopefully this is the new trifecta of show hosts. That's what we're aiming for here. Uh, we'll start off with the, the voice that you guys will recognize from previous episodes in season three here, our guy, George Holloway. George, what's going on, man? Man, I'm just waiting for this Super Bowl matchup. Like it's It's not one that we've seen or expected to see, really, so I'm excited for the weekend. And joining us uh, now, a voice that has been on the podcast before, I believe season one, I had him come in. We talked a little NBA. We picked our all-time starting fives uh, against each other. A very good friend of mine, a very good uh, former radio partner of mine as well, trying to get him in here as now a, a podcasting partner with myself and George, my very good friend, Josh Stevenson. What's going on, man? Yeah, kind of echo what George said, man. This is an exciting weekend we're going into with the Super Bowl. Um, one team. Not expected to be there. The other team kind of was maybe figuring to be there um, in the NFC with the Rams. So excited to talk about it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump in here. We had the conference championship games going on. And I think the other reason why, for me at least, that I didn't really want to talk about the conference championship games uh, was just because, you know, um, really thought Green Bay was going to be there, guys. I'm, I'm not going to lie with you. Um, and I know there's both you guys Titans fans as well. So I figured you probably thought the same thing. Josh, you're shaking your head at me. Um, a little disappointed after the divisional <laughs> round. Yeah, yeah, you look at it, Ethan. I mean, if you to ask anybody, an NFL fan, before going into the divisional round, probably the person, the team that would be most comfortable picking to get to the championship game would probably have been Green Bay. Because the way the NFL goes, the best quarterback, you're usually going to roll with that team. Rodgers is coming in. I mean, what was his stats this year? 37 touchdowns, four interceptions. I mean, good Lord. I mean, you can't really be much better than that. So the fact that the Packers got put out the way they did, similar to the Titans, very, very surprising. George, I know you're also a Titans fan, and I know we were texting each other. And uh, after the Titans game, I you texted me, and I was just like, I don't know what to tell you, bud. And then about three hours later, you were like, I really don't know what to tell you. So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of how that one went down. How'd you feel after the divisional round? Man, I was I was deflated personally. Like if if, if you would have told me before the game, that the Titans defense would have sacked Joe Burrow nine times and would have held him to zero passing touchdowns and a 19 point total. I would have said 100 percent of the time, 10 out of 10, whatever. The Titans would have won that game. And. It just – it was deflating. It really was because it was like you the, the defense deserved better because they kept them out of the end zone and the offense just couldn't find that spark they needed. Well, one thing that was for certain, the divisional round was definitely better than the first round of, of the playoffs there. We got to see um, what every game came down to a field goal. Um, so that mm -hmm. was phenomenal to kind of – I mean, what is it? Every game has come down to a field goal at this point, correct? Um, yes, so, I mean, that's just one of those things that we've we've seen now when we got in the divisional and the conference championships, every game's come to it. I know a lot of people were kind of, uh, other than all the Chiefs fans that I have that are, will listen to this and that I'm, you know, that I'm still friends with in the Missouri area, um, 
other than them, I think a lot of people are pretty fired up for the Bengals, though. I, I, even as Titans fans, I know you guys are uh, probably still looking at it and just fired up to see Cincinnati there and uh, see what Joe Burrow and, and Coach Zach Taylor's done in only the few seasons together, really. So, uh, Josh, watching that Bengals game uh, against the Chiefs, were you sitting there finding yourself rooting for the Bengals, even though, you know, you, you being a Titans fan? Yeah, I mean, George might echo this as well. I mean, I thought they did they did a great job still staying in the Titans, the game against the Titans, when you have a defense do what the Titans did, and they, you're still able to find a way to win. That's pretty impressive. But I really thought going up against that offense in Kansas City, I was like, I really think they're going to be a little overmatched. In the first half, it kind of looked like that. It looked like, oh, this is about to be a boat race. Um, but the fact that Burrow is able to bring his team back with the second half that they had, I mean, I hate to say it, but, man, Evan McPherson's kind of that dude. I mean, he's four for four in that game. I mean, yeah. I mean, really. Burrow said after the Titans game that he, like, took one practice swing and was like, well, looks like we're going, you know, looks like we're winning this game going to the next round. I mean, I'm a Titans fan, but I'm also a realist, and I'll call it what I see. And, I mean, it was an impressive win to go on the road, which see what y'all think about this. The hardest environment to play in in the NFL, probably Arrowhead Stadium. To go in there as a second-year starter, Pretty impressive. Yeah, George. Uh, I, I mean, I can hit on that point for you, Josh. I've, I've been in Arrowhead in the, in the playoffs I mean, since this, the run really started, um, which was Patrick Mahomes' first year as a starter, his second year in the league. Uh, that year, they beat the Indianapolis Colts at home at Arrowhead, turned around. Uh, we were there at the conference championship as well when they lost to the Patriots. And that place, uh, for, for those of you who may have never been there or don't know much about Arrowhead, uh, for us media, the last like eight minutes of the game, we're actually underneath the stadium. So you hear everything, the, the fans, the noise, you get all of that from above you. So, yeah, definitely one of the hardest environments to play. But, George, to, to push on to that, I mean, to see Joe Burrow and company do what they did uh, had to be something kind of crazy that I don't think we were going to witness during the Patrick Mahomes era. I didn't think so either. Like, honestly, going into that game, I was thinking, well, the Bengals have had a nice run, but going into the quote-unquote buzzsaw offense of the Kansas City Chiefs with tip, with arguably the best quarterback in the game, along with, like, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, et cetera. No offense, Ethan. But, no, no, it's and, true. And, best young guy for yeah. certain. And, and then, like, their offensive weapons like Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, Jarrett McKinnon, who came out of absolutely nowhere and popped off in the first two rounds – and just going forward, you don't think that you don't the de- the defense of the Cincinnati Bengals, especially that secondary, had been questionable for the like questionable the entire season, like that was their weakest link. And then all of a sudden, Eli Apple catches lightning in a bottle and plays out of his freaking mind the first the past three weeks. And he was the player that they wanted him to be in New York and in New Orleans. And I don't know what he did. I don't know what kind of deal he struck with whoever he struck it with, but. He's played phenomenal. And that goal line stop right before halftime where he made that tackle on Tyreek Hill, that was the turning point in the game. That took the wind out of Kansas City's sails, and that gave the momentum completely to Cincinnati. And I really don't know why Kansas City didn't take the points in that scenario. You're in a playoff game with a Super Bowl chance on the line. I don't know why you don't take the points, but, I mean, with that offense, I might have gone for it too. Josh, you're agreeing with that one as well. Yeah. Yeah, man, you look at it here. I mean, when you have you score twenty seven or twenty four total points in the game, twenty one in the first half. I mean, I, I feel like, and Ethan, you can speak to this a little bit as well, being you know a fan of an NFC team. Andy Reid's always been, I feel like, a little bit of a gambler when it comes to that kind of thing. 
and he probably just felt like his team's hot. One more touchdown, that probably puts a nail in the coffin. I agree with George. I'm taking the sure points. I don't give a damn. I'm kicking that <laughs> field goal, and I'm going in 24 nothing. But uh, um, so you can you can critique that kind of thing. But the second half was just super impressive to to to, to claw back in that. And, and like George said, I mean the secondary. I mean we can go back to the Titans game. They played well against the Titans. I mean you know AJ Brown had a couple of really big plays, but overall Julio was not was a non factor. Um, so. It's the right time of the year to catch fire if you're if you're a, a, you know, a personnel group. The other side of that, uh, the Los Angeles Rams had to get over the uh, the hump against Kyle Shanahan. Had not beaten Kyle Han- uh, Shanahan. Uh, what was it since 2016? Was that what it was? Uh, had to get over that hump there. Sean McVay and company had to get over there. They, I mean, just uh, San Francisco. I, I couldn't even tell you. I, I honestly. Uh, going in, and, and if you would have told me that San Francisco was going to upset Dallas, I'd be like, that's not like too big of a stretch. I feel like that could happen. And then to turn around and say, yeah, but Jimmy Garoppolo and San Francisco, they're going to beat Green Bay in Lambeau without him throwing a touchdown. Without their offense scoring, I would say absolutely not. That's never going to happen. Um, but, of course, it did. And then turn around, you kind of felt like the hot hand was San Francisco. You felt like they're about to run the table and get there. But uh, Matt Stafford somehow finds a way. Um, you know, he was a lovable, lovable loser with the Lions for such a long time. Finally get an opportunity and a shot here. Uh, George, on that side of things, you're looking at, you know, Matt Stafford probably – uh, really the best season of his – I wouldn't say the best season of his career because he had a lot of good times where he threw up some really good uh, – you know, had some great yards with Calvin Johnson and stuff like that. So not stats-wise, but right now, final product or where he's at on the season, this is the best season he's ever had. Oh, absolutely. And he's been the firepower of that Rams offense to a T besides Cooper Cup. And who's, who's contributing Cooper Cup? It's Matthew Stafford. And, of course, you're going to have your hiccups. He went through that three-, four-week stretch where he couldn't seem to throw the ball to his own team, and everyone was freaking out. Everyone was like, what is happening? Like, what's Matthew Stafford doing, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, he has a cannon of an arm. We saw what he did on a, in a terrible organization like Detroit, and he doesn't get enough credit for leading two of the most historic seasons of wide receivers in history, it going with Cooper Cup this year and, in the past, Calvin Johnson. Like, he doesn't get enough credit for how much of a gunslinger he actually is, and he stepped up throughout the entire course of the postseason. I know that was a big question mark for a lot of people. And, like, in the division – or, excuse me, in the conference championship, he threw for 337 yards and two touchdowns. He had, he did a, he had a great game, great performance. He did throw an interception, but still it wasn't, it, it wasn't deadly, as we saw. So, Matthew Stafford, his, his – one of his career seasons has truly changed the way that people are looking at the Rams, and that's why they're in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I saw something, and and Josh, you can you can touch on this. What's crazy about this is Joe Burrow was a first round draft pick, the number one overall guy, and now he is in the Super Bowl in only a second season. Matthew Stafford was a number one overall draft pick, and is now in the Super Bowl in his thirteenth season. It took him thirteen years. It's taken Joe too. Uh, it's got to be a crazy thing to think of. And it's kind of making it hard to really say, well, you know, this is the team I want to win because of this when, you know, who really is the underdog in this when you really think about it? So I, I've heard some really interesting things, but I wanted to comment on something George said. You know, the Rams did have that like three or four week period where Stafford was not able. That started on a Sunday night against the Titans. 
I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> yes, it did. Just, just so everybody knew that. But no, so I heard this really cool thing. Who has more big game experience in their career, college and pro, Matthew Stafford or Joe Burrow? So go back to his college career. He played almost four de facto playoff games the year they won the national championship. Had to win in, against Alabama in the regular season to make the SEC championship game. Had to win the SEC championship game to make the college football playoffs. Two college football playoff games, winning the national championship. Um, I think I, if I remember correctly, and fortunately, um, unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember Matthew Stafford in, in college very vividly. Um, I think he only played one like uh, major six, like New Year's Day bowl game against Hawaii, which Colt Brennan. Hawaii. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. I think Is that's that right. Colt yeah, yeah. Years? yeah, yeah. And they won like 45 to seven or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know if that's an edge or not. Obviously, I think if you look at the on paper, the Rams probably have a better roster. Um, nobody named Aaron Donald was, you know, walking out on the field for Cincinnati. But I mean, you can't argue what Joe Burrow's done this season. I mean, in his second year, he's won a lot of tough playoff games all on the road. I mean, if you're asking me, gut feeling, probably give the edge to Joe Burrow when it comes to that. But I mean. Like George said, Stafford's still underrated as a gunslinger. Absolutely. Uh, did you guys, uh, this is kind of moving into our next one here. We'll talk about the Super Bowl in our next segment. We'll take a break before we get in there and, and talk a little bit about the preview and uh, some of some crazy bets and whatnot that you're hearing about. Some of the things that you can bet on, I guess, is also something else. Uh, I know George likes to follow those things and uh, tell, tell me things that, I had never thought you could bet on, uh, but uh, talking about the next little bit in between, obviously our conference championships and the Super Bowl is the game that at one point, I think when we were kids, we really loved the Pro Bowl because you mm -hmm. got to see your favorite players most of the time. Obviously the teams that were no, because it used to be after the Super Bowl. So you got to see your favorite players um, all on the same team together in Hawaii all that fun stuff at the Pro Bowl. And now, since it's moved before the Super Bowl, less guys are going to it. More guys, obviously, on Super Bowl teams aren't going to it. Uh, I believe Aaron Rodgers has been voted for the past, like, 11 years, and he's gone once. Um, so we're not seeing that same kind of, I guess, mystique around it. Did either one of you watch the Pro Bowl? I cut no. it off after I saw it was two-hand touch. Okay. I didn't yeah, watch I mean, either. What, what do you What are you gonna do? I mean, like you see a highlight. You remember? I don't know what year it was. Y'all might be able to tell me when Sean Taylor absolutely smoked. No, nope. I mean, was it a punter? Uh, like a fake yeah. punt? Yeah, it was I Brad mean, Mormon. He was trying to come around and and got absolutely oh my lit up. Gosh, I mean, you would never see that, and I, I kind of understand it. I mean, these players aren't gonna like go full force. What if they? tear an Achilles or, you know, tear their ACL. Um, I don't know how you add any kind of real value to this game. Um, you got the MLB and the NBA. They're, they're, they're all-star games are in the middle of the season. It's a really big deal to be named an NBA all-star. There's a really big, um, you know, deal being named, you know, Major League Baseball all-star. Um, it doesn't have the same mystique, I don't feel like. Um, I don't know how you add value to this where it makes it an actually competitive game. Um, I just think the mindset of players has shifted over the last 10 or 15 years um, to not make it such a big deal to them. George, what do you, what are you going to add there? What do you think? How do you, how do you improve this game? 
I saw this theory on the realms of Twitter, so I'm not going to take credit for it, but I thought it was a really cool idea since like the promo, the mystique of the promo is gone. Like it's never going to be like the players going hard anymore. It's going to be this two hand touch crap that no one even wants to watch. So you take the two worst teams, they duke it out. Whoever wins gets a number one overall pick. That wouldn't be bad. The Lions would that, be there a lot. That would be a fun game to watch because literally, like both teams, of course, they want the number one overall pick. So they literally are going balls to the wall, going nuts in this game, doing everything they can to win. I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd be must see TV. That's not <laughs> a bad idea. I, I I had a really really mean joke that I was going to direct at the whole Alvin Kamara situation, um, oh, but I'm going to hold off on it. Josh always loves my jokes, but um, yeah, we'll yeah, save that for joke. the break. Uh, but again, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I saw something as well where I thought you turn it in where the skills guys and the quarterbacks kind of s- compete in, you know, a seven on seven. So you have three quarterbacks, That'd AFC, cool. three quarterbacks, NFC, split the rosters up, let them draft, go seven on seven, um, have the big guys and one on one drills, have the kickers competing. So that way it's more of just like a family event and it's not some, which, but the thing obviously is, you know, the, 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 the whole draw of getting money is obviously, you know, money talks. We all know that. So the NFL, if they're not going to make money off of it, but I, I really don't see them making a ton of money off the Pro Bowl now. If people are going to be like, I really don't want to watch this. I mean, for the longest time, and Josh, you know, you were talking about the NBA for the longest time, people said, well, we don't want to, we would rather watch the skills. Uh, the, you know, the first versus second year players or the international players again, you know, we'd rather watch things like that than, you know, or the celebrity game, than we would watch, you know, actually the all-star game until a little bit more got put into it. And a little bit more was put on the line and they changed up and let people draft and it got different. So I think if you add something new, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. And also too, I think too, the first three quarters of the NBA all-star game are probably just like a rec game. But those guys have a lot of pride. And that fourth quarter rolls around and they're like, okay, I know we've only been playing, but I'm not going to lose this game. Yeah. Um, I just don't think, I don't know if there's a way you can engineer that in football um, because, you know, there's so few games. Being healthy is so important. Um, and I, I just, it's a business decision. And I, and I understand yeah. it. I agree with it. If I'm a, you know, like a Mac Jones or somebody like that, I'm on a rookie deal. I'm not going to go all out and blow out my knee in a game that doesn't mean anything when, you know, you're on a trajectory like he's on right now on a, on a good team, having a good season like that. I, I don't blame anybody for that. Well, and, and it's the same concept of this. How many of us would rather tune into the NFL combine than the Pro Bowl? Yeah. Oh, all they're well, doing is running drills, right? All, yeah. all we're doing is running drills in those. Yeah. I don't know. I think it'd be fun. I, I think if maybe uh, we split it up and, and like I said, have the quarterbacks draft their teams, whatever it is, and, and maybe figure it out that way. But it's got to change because there's no way that that drew what they think it's going to draw and, and, you know, in television shares. So let's go ahead and take a time out here. We're going to come back. We'll have our preview of the Super Bowl, talk about some of the bets that people can make in this uh, uh, for this um for the for the game uh, and other things that surround it as well um it can be i think what some of the some of the things are is even as like what is going to be the gatorade color that is dropped on the coach right is that one of them something super yeah super important stuff man this is like okay make or break kind of thing mm-hmm. all right all right let's step aside here when we come back we'll have more and a preview here of the super bowl 
welcome back to Talking Schmitz. Another episode here. We're getting ready for the Super Bowl. We're recapping the conference championship and, of course, talking about the Pro Bowl there in our first segment. Uh, but we are back. Ethan Schmidt, George Holloway, and Josh Stevenson looking to make this the new trio here on Talking Schmidt. Kind of keep me in check as well as I, uh, you know, keep traveling for all these OVC games and whatnot, not sleeping or whatever I'm doing these days, it seems like. But let's give a shout out to our uh, our sponsor, our only sponsor. I was going to say our main sponsor, but it's our only sponsor. Uh, good friend Corey Turner at Big Timber Roofing uh, decided to give us a sponsorship out here. Definitely like to give him credit and, and appreciate him and all of his uh, his help. And all this, if you need someone to come out, check your roof. I know we're getting out of, hopefully, fingers crossed, we're getting out of the uh, the bad weather situation we've been in. I know we'll get into severe uh, weather a little bit later on this month. But if you need to, if you any, any of the ice damage, whatnot on your roof, give Corey a call, 931-472-5055, or reach out, bigtimberroofing.com or bigtimberroofing at gmail.com, and get a chance to get a free estimate on your roof for repair. So big shout out to our guy, Corey Turner. We thank him as always for uh, being a sponsor for us here on talking Schmidt. All right, guys, since we got that cleared up and we're moving along here, let's go ahead and talk about that. Uh, what I love about this is like, we don't make money off this and, and, and on radio and, and television, like unless you have the Super Bowl, you can't say Super Bowl. I'm not making any money off this, so I'm super excited that I can say those words instead of having to say the big game. Uh, but if I slip back into a mode where I say the big game, like stop me. Um, but again, we talked about the conference championship games, and we're looking now at this uh, this Super Bowl game. We have the Cincinnati Bengals, who obviously have had just the season um, that any underdog could want. And then you have the Los Angeles Rams who you would think would be the favorites, but then again, they have a quarterback that's never played in there. They have uh, some star talent on offense who have never played in there. One thing that I feel the edge obviously has to go the the edge obviously has to go to the Rams on this because they do have a lot of their offensive line and defensive line guys who were on that Super Bowl team where they lost to the Patriots. So they have the experience of being in that game and that magnitude, but really neither team has anybody. I mean, OBJ didn't even catch a, a touchdown in the playoffs until literally this year. So, I mean, you know, he's a veteran receiver now. Stafford's a veteran guy, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, they're coming in with the same experience as uh, pretty much the entire Bengals squad. So, George, looking at that, who do you think's the underdog in this game, or, or who would you put as the underdog, and who would you put as the favorite? It's it's honestly a coin flip, like to be honest with you, because like going going back to Josh's point, he uh, he alluded to the fact that Joe Burrow has played in some of the biggest magnitude games that a person could possibly play in before they even make it to the NFL. Like he played a national championship game. Matthew Stafford never played him in a, in, a, in a national championship game. And like we said, this year was the first year that he even won a playoff game. And so and he, they made this run to the Super Bowl. So, honestly, it's a coin flip for me. And it's you just look at the history of Joe Burrow and the success that he had at LSU after Ohio State said that he was trash for some reason. Don't still don't understand that one. But anyway, so it's, it's hard for me to really pick a favorite or an underdog. But – yeah, I'm gonna go pick them. Like it's like a coin flip. Okay. I don't. I don't know. Like it literally. I, if it comes down to overtime, whoever wins it, whoever <laughs> wins the coin toss. Like, 
I'm okay with that. Josh, what do you think? Do you have a someone that you feel is a uh, an actual underdog in this one, or are you kind of feeling like George on this? No, actually, I think I'm going to disagree here. I think the Bengals are going to come in as an underdog. I would say the Rams. I would, I would say the Rams with, and the reason I say this is because of the defensive line for the Rams, okay? Um, with how much havoc the, the Titans were able to cause – in that game against the Bengals, and we didn't have anybody named Aaron Donald or Von Miller on our offensive line, our defensive line. Now, granted, Jeffrey Simmons, I think, is on a trajectory where he could be considered one of the top defensive tackles in the league. Um, Harold Landry is on a trajectory. He could be considered one of the top outside rushers. Um, but I think with the pressure that they can cause, um, I think it's going to be difficult for the Bengals um, to consistently or have a consistent offense in this game if they don't have a way of, of limiting Aaron Donald. And if you limit him, if you're pulling somewhere else to keep him from causing problems, somebody's going to be one-on-one. Um, so I think that's going to be the key matchup of this game. And I'd say I'd say the Rams three-point favorite in this game, a field goal favorite. Um, but I think the Rams do have the more talent in this game. But their quarterback does have not as much experience. I mean – Burrow and Stafford both have the same amount of playoff wins. Yeah, one's been in the league thirteen years. One league been in the league two years. Yeah, uh, to to go back to it, the Matt Stafford was the MVP of the Chick Fil A Bowl and the MVP of the Capital One Bowl while he was at Georgia. Just to throw that I mean, out there. I mean, Chick Fil A Bowl is one of the most important bowls there is. <laughs> I mean, if you want, Chick-fil-A if you want good, fantastic, and if it's played on a Sunday, good. yeah, if it's played on a Sunday, you can't even get it. So. Uh, yeah, <laughs> to go with that though, I, I agree with Josh there on there. I think you just have the experience that you're going to see from guys like Aaron Donald, Andrew Whitworth, guys like that, who have been in the league a little bit longer. They've seen these playoff runs. They've been a part of these teams when the Rams have made it to the playoffs. Um, so I, I agree with that as well, but I, I do, um, I, I I'm excited to see some of these matchups. Um, trying to, I'm excited to see what Jamar chase can do against Jalen Ramsey. Because uh, really, yeah. o- only a few players can really match up against Jalen Ramsey, uh, Devonte Adams. Um, just to throw that out there, uh, but you know, what is Jamar Chase going to do as a young guy? How does that entire secondary respond, though? Because if you control Jamar Chase, how do you control the other guys around there? T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd. Uh, I believe Uzama may be back. I think he was. Uh, he may. Questionable. Um, yeah. So you have enough guys that you can look at to see. Um, maybe what's going to happen here. How does the Rams defense respond to that? Again, this Bengals offensive line gave up nine sacks. Now they're going to have to guard amazing defensive pass rushers like Josh brought up. So, yeah, I agree with that. I I think going into this game, the Bengals have to have that underdog mentality, Um, but the underdog mentality in the Super Bowl can play dividends. If you look back to a few years ago where um, Philadelphia embraced, embraced that underdog mentality, Chris Long wore the mask. Uh, and then they end up beating, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time to ever play the game in, in Tom Brady. So, uh, and really the greatest dynasty in our lifetimes has been obviously this Patriots dynasty with Tom Brady there. So that's the um, Titans ended. Okay. Okay. Um, you know what the Titans, so didn't, think- you know, what the Titans didn't end Kurt Warner's mm-hmm. ability to win a Super Bowl. But anyway, that's hey, I digress hey, on this. Wow. Yeah, we're gonna cut. Soon. We're gonna cut deep, right? All right, Josh, what do you he got? Lost by a yard. Yeah, I think I think there's two factors though. You brought up two two like X factors in this game. I think the Rams do have the advantage, but two things: 
Jamar Chase is a touchdown waiting to happen. I think Ramsey's going to shadow him the entire game. But what if if Zach Taylor and that offensive uh, staff can scheme some way to get him away from Ramsey on just one play, he can take it to the house. I mean, George can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think he only had one real big play in that Titans game. But it was a play where he made it himself. Missed tackle, yep. able to take it 60-plus yards. So yeah, I think that's Chris, an X yeah. factor in this game that, you know, even if the offense struggles, he's one play away from putting six points on the board. The other thing, what if the inconsistent Stafford that we saw for four or five games this year, if that rears its head, it doesn't really matter how many sacks you're getting, you know, i.e. the Titans game, you still can't overcome multiple interceptions if you're not turning the other team over. So I think that's two things to watch in this game. The skill's there for the Rams, um, but, you know, there's still some things that can fall the right way for the Bengals to, to pull out this win. One of the things I feel like that we kind of gets not spoken about enough for the Bengals as well is if they can get Joe Mixon going, that's yeah. going to be, I mean, I know Cam Akers has come back and that, that kind of double-headed monster of Akers and Sony Michelle and, and, and whatnot for uh, the Rams. But if Joe Mixon, if you can get him in space, uh, he's, he's yeah. going to be another factor that uh, this Bengals team has going for him. So um, I like that matchup as well. Uh, Prediction-wise, um, since George is the youngest, George, we'll put you out there first. Um, what do you think, man? Who? I mean, I know, I and I can tell you this much before I make a prediction. I know for a fact I have one team that I'm rooting for just a little bit more, um, and just mm-hmm. because it would mean a lot, you know, a lot more. I feel to that organization than the other one but again i mean it's going to mean a ton for everybody but george do you have a prediction in this game yeah and i'm going with my heart on this one because i i've been like i know the titans they lost to the Bengals. the Bengals were the team that put them out but i'd rather lose to the best you know like <laughs> i want the team who put the titans out to win it all so i'm i'm going for the Bengals in this one and we we y'all, y'all everyone knows the the television show The Simpsons, correct? Correct, yeah, yeah. And they've had some crazy predictions throughout the course of time, right? Yeah, y'all y'all seen The Simpsons yeah, yeah. and stuff yeah. like that? Yeah. So there's a meme going around where The Simpsons actually predicted the Super Bowl to happen. Yeah, and I'm and I'm gonna take that final score: Bengals 34, Rams 31. Yeah, so I saw that props, as well. I love it. I think it's awesome. Props to the Simpsons. That's right. So, and the so, Simpsons have been wrong. So McPherson again. Yeah. McPherson game winner, ice in his veins. Unless <laughs> they score all those touchdowns, McPherson misses an extra point. Okay. That I mean, could happen. Uh-huh. That, could happen. Uh-huh. that could happen. Josh, prediction wise, what do you think, man? Who are you going for in this game? Yeah, I think it's actually going to be a little lower scoring affair um, than what George thinks. I hope it's what he says because I think that's going to be super exciting. And I want to pick the Bengals because I like his logic. I want the Titans to lose to the best. If we're going to lose, at least lose to the Super Bowl champions. But I think it's going to be 24-21 Rams. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring. You're going to see a couple of turnovers by both quarterbacks. Um, I think the last turnover, whoever turns it over last, is probably going to be the team that, does not win this game. Um, you look at it, too, um, in the Rams game last week, beating the 49ers, they possessed the ball for almost 11 minutes in the fourth quarter, um, 13 points, you know. So um, I, I think that the Rams are just going to eke it out there. But I, I'd be happy to be wrong in the Bengals to win this game. 
Yeah, I I've had to go myself with with a heart pick as well. Um, I think this would mean more to the city of Cincinnati than it would to 100%. the Rams fans fan base that is really non-existent. Um, and I hate to say that because I know there are a lot of Rams fans out there. I mean, I I know that they've uh, it, there's been a lot of uh, I, I guess kind of and here's here's what I'm going to say. I I feel for that Los Angeles fan base. I know a lot of people probably wouldn't, they probably wouldn't because they would say it's Los Angeles. Like it's fine, you know, for, for probably about 20 years when they didn't really have an NFL team, they had the Trojans. So they really didn't need an NFL team. You know, they had pretty much the closest thing to a pro team in the NCAA at that time was USC. So they really kind of had their own pro team that was very successful in winning games and all that stuff. So for me, you know, I, I guess it. You know, you can say it's kind of hard for them, but you got to think. I mean, they had the Raiders at one point. They've had the Rams before. Both those groups left, and they said, "Yeah, we don't want anything to do with this city anymore." And so, Los Angeles for years sat without a team. Then, of course, you know, everybody decides to come there now. So you have the Chargers that came over there, and the Rams that came over there, and you have a city that's just like, "Well, the Rams have already screwed us once. Why would we cheer them on?" And the Chargers are still San Diego to us. You know, so I mean, like. I kind of feel for these fans in Los Angeles because they, they, how do you really have a fan base in Los Angeles when, you know, every team that's ever come to you has left you, you know? And so I guess for me, I, I say that it's, you know, it's more important to me to see the Cincinnati Bengals win because, you know, Bengals fans have had to sit through it all, man. I mean, just absolute, just terrible years. I mean, the, and their, their buddies across the way in Cleveland have had to sit through terrible years as well uh, in football, not so much basketball, you know, when LeBron James would create super teams and whatnot. But um, I know Josh, that one, that one eats you for a second. Uh, oh, wow. That's, that's, that's how I know how to get, I can get Josh a little fired up when I talk about LeBron. Uh, but you know, Cincinnati, they just haven't had anything. I mean, the Reds have had, you know, not many great seasons, so for me, at least, I, I had to sit here and I, I'm going to pick the Bengals in this one. Um, I'd like to see the Bengals. I, I also, you guys know I'm not a Stafford guy, so that's also it. Um, I just don't want to see a score line that we saw when the Rams played the last time against the Patriots because that was boring. Um, so if we can see some scoring, that'd be great. But in the end, I want to buy a Joe Burrow jersey. And so if they win, I'm going to buy a Joe Burrow jersey. George, what do you got? Kind of alluding to your point, I think this is also a moment that it could come full circle for the state of Ohio. Because you look at Joe Burrow, he's an Ohio kid. Yeah. And he went to Ohio State, went to his hometown school, and they threw him away like he was trash, like we said. He went to LSU, he wins the national championship, breaks the heart of the entire state of Ohio. Sad. Now he comes back, he gets drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, and he leads into the promised land. I think it's going to be a full circle movie moment, literally, and I think the Bengals are going to take it. So here's another thing, though. A huge win for the city of Cincinnati if they can win this. But think about organizationally for the Rams. If you lose this game, you have gone so far in on this team. How many draft picks have you given up for the, yeah. the, the core players that you have on this team? I mean, you've hamstrung yourself. Yeah, you've hamstrung <laughs> yourself for probably the next four to five years. So if you don't win this Super Bowl – all that is for naught. I mean, because they weren't making those moves to make it to the Super Bowl. They were making those moves to win the Super Bowl because they made it there with Jared Goff. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be a what little fans they do have in L.A., it's going to be a tough pill to swallow if they don't pull out this win because the next four to five years don't look very promising for the Rams when it comes to what they're going to be able to do turnover-wise with this roster. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I agree as well. Let's go in and let's talk a little bit here about prop bets. It's everything from uh, national anthem to coin toss. Is it going to be heads or tails? Uh, who scores first? What cleats are being wore? Um, who's wearing lucky underwear? What are what are some of the prop bets? What are you, what are you guys here, George? I know you kind of watched these. What's been the the wildest prop bet that you've seen? Man, they have. You can bet on literally anything under the sun. Like it's crazy. Like like you said it earlier. You can bet on the color of Gatorade that's going to get poured on the winning coach. You can bet on the coin toss. You can bet on the length of the national anthem. You can bet on how many times the chains are going to be brought out during the game to measure. Like it, it's crazy. You can also bet on who. How many players do you think are going to attempt to pass? Like whether like a fake punt or a lineman throwing a touchdown, running back throwing a touchdown, wide receiver, whatever. You can bet on so many things, and it's crazy because I heard this story the other day. Uh, last year, with the national anthem bet, the over/under was set at a minute fifty-three seconds. There was a guy who was standing outside of the stadium. He took a recording of the person who sang the national anthem last year and timed it, like how long it would be, uh, how long, however long the recording lasted. Then he put it out all over Twitter and was like, hammer the over. It's two minutes and four seconds. Hammer it. And so they, there was an influx of money coming in for the over that literally sports betting sites had to shut down that bet because they were like, we're going to go bankrupt if this hits. Like literally people were throwing tens of thousands of dollars on the anthem being over a minute, 53 seconds. It was insane. And sure enough, it was. It was like two minutes and 18 seconds or something because you always you always got to add a little, a little bit of extra flair at the Super Bowl. One thousand, yeah, one thousand percent. What, what do, you, what do you, uh, I guess, uh, Josh? What do you see? Have you seen anything that looks fun to you that you were just like, man, I might actually put some dollars on this? Uh, well, the one, one thing did catch my eye today. I was looking through this as I was getting prepared for this, and not necessarily uh, in, in kind of off the off the mat as the the ones that George was talking about, but a thousand dollars on hundred to one odds of Evan McPherson being named Super Bowl MVP. Um, if you're a Bengals fan and if you look at the trajectory of the playoffs, might not be a bad bet. <laughs> well, that would be, uh, he'd be the first kicker, correct? I, I, there's never been a kicker. So. I mean, even when, even when Vinatieri and, and Goskowski were winning games for, uh, you know, the Patriots, yeah. you, I, neither, none of them were, it was Tom Brady. I um, I want to say the only other person maybe that didn't win it or he won the MVP that wasn't Tom Brady. I think there was a year – Ty Law might have won it the year that they beat the Rams. I think he had that interception. Um, and then I believe uh, Branch might have won it one year as a receiver. Uh, but other than that, it was all pretty much Tom Brady. So, I mean, it's a very much a dominated quarterback um, game. But if you've watched <laughs> the, the Bengals' way to get there, McPherson has probably been their leading scorer in the playoffs. I mean, he has to be. Yeah, I mean, I think he had, what, 13, 14 points last week at loan. Yeah. I mean, four made field goals um, and a PAT. So, um, like, I mean, like George said, I mean, dude's got ice water in his veins. And it's not like he's just an accurate kicker. The dude's kicking some bombs in this playoffs, too. So, I mean, I know he, the the field goal he made against the Titans, I mean, I hurts to say, but it, it had been good from about 15 yards further away than where he kicked him. I mean, he kicked the piss out of that ball. Dude's got a leg. Um, so I, and that could be an X factor in this game when you got a kicker that's that good. I mean, you cross the 50 yard line and you're already contemplating, I might have three points already. 
So yeah. Evan McPherson is for the brand, gentlemen. That's all we know here. Uh, heads or tails? That's going to be our prop bet. Heads or tails? George, where would you tell people to put your money at? Opening coin toss. Man, take the opposite of what I say because my picks are trash. <laughs> but I'm going heads. heads. I'm going heads. Tails. Yeah. Josh tails. is saying tails. You got a 50-50 tails. shot of listening to somebody on this show <laughs> and making it happen. All right, guys, let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to end here talking about someone that's kind of uh, – we've, we've all three been able to kind of watch, and now he's having an extremely successful career. Uh, so far through his first few games in the NBA. Let's step aside here on Talking Schmidt, come back with a little talk about the man that we call Double T, the walking double-double himself, Terry Taylor. And welcome back to Talking Schmidt, powered by Big Timber Roofing. And our guy, Corey Turner at Big Timber Roofing. If you want a free estimation here on what it may cost to fix your roof, if you've had any storm damage, I know we've had a few storms roll through in the month of December or any of this ice storms that we've had through January and February, give our guy, Corey Turner, a call at Big Timber Roofing, 931-472-5055. All right, let's talk about our guy, Terry Taylor. Um, it has been an absolute journey to watch Terry Taylor, uh, from, I mean, all of us have got a chance to watch him at Austin P, which is fantastic. Um, all of us being a, you know, alum, alum of the govs here. Um, we were actually, it was kind of a cool story. We went up and played Purdue Fort Wayne. Austin P did this past season or this, this season, obviously in the early part of it. Uh, it was a, a game where Austin P played really, really well. I think they lost 65, 60, uh, the men's team did, but sure enough in the crowd watching his alma mater was the one and only Terry Taylor. Uh, so, you know, obviously, you know, he has a ton of love for Austin P, uh, but we have as fans, we have a huge love for our guy, Terry Taylor as well. He has made his way out from the mad ants there in Fort Wayne. And, uh, after some trades that we just saw Indiana make, Terry Taylor is right now the guy in Indiana. He is, he is, he is that guy. So Josh, I know you're a huge NBA guy. I know, I know you love, yeah. love some basketball. Uh, it's what always made our, our radio partnership work because, you know, I was always headstrong on football. You were always headstrong on basketball and it, it kind of got us through at least two parts of the year. Best part about this guys, if you think about it, I'm a, you guys, you guys know I'm a diehard pack or a Packers fan. I have, you can look in the background of, of my shot here and see all my, all my football stuff that's up and all that good jazz. And, and I know Josh, you're a huge NBA guy. You love basketball and George is our baseball guy. So we literally have, we need a hockey dude. We need somebody from the North to come up here and talk to us for about 30 minutes talking about hockey for us. Hockey. But yeah. Other than that, uh, Josh, to start off with, uh, one, as an alum, how's it feel to watch Terry Taylor? And then two, um, what have you seen and, and, and what have you been able to keep up with, with him since he's been uh, up here and starting now for the Pacers as well? Yeah, you look at it, Ethan. I mean, he really is positioned really well to uh, grow in the role that he has right now. Over the last week and a half, you know, he's played um, I mean, you know, he's got some stat lines here. February 2nd, February 4th, he played 37-plus minutes in both those games, 24 and 21 points, respectively. I mean, it's kind of the, the epitome of, you know, next man up when you get your opportunity, um, you know, you need to shine. I mean, we know what he can do and, you know, what he did at Austin P. And actually, 
to get ready for this, to talk about it, I wanted to go back and look at his career stats for his career at Austin P. And what you said earlier, Ethan, walking double-double is almost exactly 19.7 points per game, 9.8 rebounds per game. This is a great stat. Games played 127, games started 127, um, and shooting almost 54% from the field for four years on a team that he was not only the number one option, most of the time he was the number one, the number two, and sometimes the number three option. Yeah. Um, when you had a player that came into a game and you knew you had to stop him, the defense knew, and you still couldn't stop him. Um, so I think his game translates really well to the NBA. I mean, he's, you know, obviously he's not the biggest guy at 6'5". Um, he's kind of a, what they would like to call it, you know, a tweener. He's, he's in between that guard small forward, but I mean, the dude was able to rebound super well as being undersized in the OVC. He's got a motor, um, which I think will keep him in the rotation as he polishes his offensive skills for the NBA. I mean, he's a guy that you can see as a rotational player, maybe even one day a starter for a team like Indiana. Yeah, absolutely. George, uh, I know you got a chance to watch him a lot as a uh, you were actually there as as an undergrad, so you got a chance to kind of watch Terry's career. And um, what was it like being a fan and getting to watch Terry play? I mean, obviously, Josh and I were kind of more in broadcaster roles uh, for Terry, not so much getting a chance to kind of be a student and, and you know, going to games and, and cheering for him. I mean, we obviously we did. I obviously had to watch most of his career you know, online because I was away at the time and until last season. But uh, you as a fan and, and you as someone who was there to watch it, what was it like getting to watch Terry as a governor? It, it was incredible to watch. Like he had a demeanor about himself where like you could walk in the gym and you've heard of Terry Taylor, but you had no idea what he looked like or anything like that. You see him just walking onto the court and he carried himself in a different way than everyone else. And you were like, oh, that's that, that's him. The minute you saw him. Because it was just the way that he carried himself, and then it, then during the game on the hardwood, he was just he was a different level than most players. I say most players because I mean the OBCs produced some great talent, such as John Morant that we saw a couple years ago, but he was leaps and bounds better than most of the competition within the OVC. He was a head and shoulders above it, and it's kind of, and as Josh alluded to, it's his his game translates to the NBA, and it was really cool because like he's always kind of had that underdog mentality coming through the OVC and not going to a big major power five school or anything like that. And during his first, his first game that he really saw minutes with the Pacers was against the Orlando magic. And Isaiah Jackson, the starting one of the starting forwards for the Indiana Pacers got hurt within the first minute of the game. And then Terry Taylor comes in and he shoots 10 of 15 from the field, puts up 24 points and 16 rebounds. And then Twitter's exploding. And everyone's like, who the heck is Terry Taylor? Like, who is this dude? And even the coach for the Pacers, he was like, whatever school Terry Taylor's from, like nobody knows this guy. And everyone, and it's like, man, uh, us governors, man, we've been knowing who this guy is. And now yeah. he's finally getting the recognition. Yeah, and also just to give you guys a heads up, uh, you can buy the whatever school Terry Taylor's from T-shirts now at Austin P. They're $21. They're advertising them. Head over to, I believe, at Let's Go P uh, on Twitter. I think that is our Twitter. It might be Gov Sports. I, 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 I'll follow the Gov. I think, I think it's Let's Go P. Yeah. The, um, the athletic department is Let's Go P.com. 
Yes, exactly. So, so you could probably head over there on Twitter. I know they were pr- uh, uh, pushing it today. So at Govs MBB is where you can find everything as well on there. They should have retweeted it for us today, but you can get that T-shirt. I am pretty fired up to to see it uh, tomorrow, um, obviously, as I get set for a doubleheader tomorrow. So um, excited to see it. I- I'm glad Rick Kyle or Carlisle has realized that whatever school Terry Taylor comes from, um, is, uh, is good enough to have a player from there and now a player who's starting the Pacers. And it's, it's a great for me as, as well, other than the blue and yellow, like scheme of colors, um, for like a sports team, I really don't you know, obviously like that with Murray state being those colors, but, um, I'm yeah. just waiting for us to get past this last Murray state game this season. And then I'm going to buy my Pacers Jersey, uh, but buy them know, while they're cheap. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Callie's family has a lot of family from Indiana, a lot of big Pacer fans in there. So I I might get, you know, welcomed into the family a little bit more as well. So that's a good part of it as well, I guess, for me, uh, another brownie point. But I get also a chance to kind of see that. So I might even have to make that trip up there to see uh, Terry play a little bit because that would be a a fun thing. But in the world of the NBA, Josh, I know you kind of follow a little bit more. I'm still at football mode as long as I can be. I know there's one more day of football. until the USL or USFL comes along, we'll talk about that as well because our guy Jeff Fisher. Yeah, and then combine, combine. combine possibly, possibly the XFL with the Rock. He bought it. You know, we figure that out sooner or later. Um, yeah, but yeah, Josh, watching the NBA right now, and I know you're keeping up with it. You know what's kind of uh, what's been some storylines maybe that we've missed um, throughout the year because I've only been talking about football. Sorry. Well, I mean, so the biggest – I think probably the biggest thing, arguably, is how bad the Lakers are. You know, when you have the three the three stars that they had, which I really felt like when they traded for Russell Westbrook in the offseason, it was not a great a great fit. Um, dislike him as you do, Ethan. You, you know that LeBron plays better with shooters, people that can space the floor. Um, That's normally who wins some championships. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you know. Whatever. I digress. But you talk about Russell Westbrook, and those are not the words you would use to describe Russell Westbrook. He's not a shooter. He's not a distributor for the most part. He's a guy that, you know, he scores in bunches when it comes to shot, how many shots he puts up. Um, so that's been a storyline. One that's going on currently as we speak is, you know, possibly James Harden being traded from the Brooklyn Nets to the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I don't blame him at all. I wouldn't want to play with Kyrie either. Um, uh, I would hate to leave Kevin Durant, but um, I think that could be a huge trade um, because Joel Embiid is another storyline this year. The dude is playing absolutely out of his mind, probably going to be the MVP uh, of the league. Um, you know, some saying this could be the best offensive year a center's had in the NBA when it comes to just what he's able to do. Um, so those are some storylines. The Bucks are still – right in the thick of things. I mean, Clay Thompson's back. The Golden State Warriors look like they could be just an, a, a nightmare in in the playoffs. But one thing, kind of circling back to the OVC, John Moran has got the Grizzlies as a real threat in the West. Um, I think that a lot of people are thinking right now at the trajectory they're on could be Golden State and the Grizzlies in the Western Conference Finals. Um, so Moran is playing some some – top-tier basketball, named to his first All-Star game. Um, but I really think as the year progresses, you're going to see this the Splash Brothers kind of circle back into form. Um, and that Golden State team, they've got a lot of really young talent on that team because of the years of t- Clay being out and then being down a little bit. 
it's going to be rough for anybody playing against them. But, um, yeah, you still got the Suns there. Still a great team in the West. Um, I would be I would be surprised if the Lakers don't make the playoffs, guys. They're sitting currently ninth in the wow. West, um, struggling mightily. Um, and I don't see any any hope in sight. I mean, you know, AD is inconsistent and fragile. LeBron's 37. Russell Westbrook is, you know, building lots of houses in L.A. because he's got a lot of bricks to go around. So I don't really see what they're going to be able to do. And kind of similar to the Rams, guys, they have traded away a lot of draft picks and a lot of assets. They don't have a whole lot to do at this trade deadline. What are they going to trade? Um, so – they might be able to trade, you know, some parking spaces out there, you know, in Staples Center. It's not Staples anymore. I don't remember, I don't know what it's got renamed now. It's not Staples anymore. But, you know, they don't have much to go with. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the Lakers are sitting at home watching the playoffs this year. Uh, yeah. Um, I've seen one thing that was saying that they're trying to get John Wall out there to replace Russell Westbrook and send Russell Westbrook away. So that's yeah, and the what- rumor is the rumor is with that it would be a straight up trade. Westbrook for Wall, which goes to show you how much Westbrook has, you know, underperformed. Because Wall, I mean, he was a dynamic player before some injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're when you're when your game is predicated on athleticism and you have the type of injuries he's had, he's just not the same player. Um, so the fact that a player of his caliber is being thrown around as a straight up trade for Westbrook goes to show you how poorly Westbrook's played this year and how how he has not meshed well in that situation out there with LeBron. One person that's not doing the John Wall right now, Russell Westbrook. George, no. uh, anything that you've seen uh, NBA-wise that you're kind of keeping an eye on? I know you're going to be a little sad because we still don't know if we're going to have a Major League Baseball season. Yeah, Rob Manfred is a joke. He's a shame. <laughs> He's commissioner of baseball, for those who don't know. And he has the worst contract in Major League Baseball history. It goes to Rob Manfred because it's four years, $11 million. Absolute disgraceful money for a disgraceful man. So that's all I'm going to say about Rob Manfred at this moment. Don't get me on that soapbox. It's okay. The, Bra- the Braves win the World Series and they won nobody, the World Series. nobody wants to play baseball anymore. They're like, this yeah. is a sham. No. Oh, no, not, it's said, not a sham. It's not no, a sham. No, it's not, said, no, no. It's not finally, a the, the Braves, Braves have won one. We can all just stop playing. No, they're saying, damn, we're never going to beat the Braves. We might as well quit. So that, that's what they're saying. Sometimes <laughs> teams that don't actually buy their entire roster and develop players, they actually win World Series as well. Exactly. See? Ah. I've never heard that before. I think I think Boston and New York has proven that wrong many, 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 many a times, unfortunately. Hey, it's a different era. Quit living in the 1920s with murderers row, bud. Uh, the the buying (laughs) the buying really happened i mean the last world series that the yankees would have bought was 2009 and even then uh haidiki they've been trying every year since 2009 they just haven't bought they haven't bought pitchers if they buy pitchers it's over with aaron judge will lead us the the length of the way Um, literally the yankees are in free agency they're like man we really need pitching but they're like oh his bat's shiny oh so (laughs) we're gonna take him so the so (laughs) the yankee the yankees get bashed for buying players but we can just have an entire transfer portal and let a guy like joe burrow go to lsu and win a national championship but we're not going to talk about that we're just going to act like that's okay Um, (laughs) but But back back to the original question with my NBA point. So one one team that's really stuck out to me this season was the was the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like I I did not think the Cavaliers were going to be in any form of a competitive team, 
but they're sitting at number four in the East. They're like 33 and 21 or something like that is their overall record right now. And Darius Garland has turned into a top tier point guard. He's playing fantastic. Evan Mobley, he is in the rookie of the year consideration. Jared Allen. Probably going to be the rookie of the year. Yeah. And Evan, uh, Jared Allen, he's, he's contributing the same way he did in Brooklyn. He's just a solid, consistent big man and he's tough to guard. So the Cleveland Cavaliers have really made a splash out there in the East. I think they're going to be difficult to take down if they if they continue on this track and make it to the playoffs. How much would it hurt if LeBron's at home and Cleveland makes the playoffs? That would sting. LeBron would LeBron would, would trade sting. himself to Cleveland. I mean, <laughs> I think he's I, th- I think he's probably considering it. He's the GM in, at the Lakers right now. Pretty right? much, yeah. Yeah, and, and and the Heat are the number one in the East, like the the Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, etc. That's that's another surprise to me because I really thought the Bucks were going to run away with the East, and then you got a team like the Bulls with Demar Derozan playing like an MVP, like yeah, they're no. sitting in the top three in the East. But still, like even if you look at that Eastern Conference, the West is still like just so much stronger as a whole than the East, yeah. like. In, in the West, like like Josh said, you have Phoenix, Golden State, uh, Memphis Grizzlies, who are the most entertaining show in the in, in the NBA right now. Tremendous. We're, we're like Every night there's a highlight reel from the Memphis game because John Morant, Jaron Jackson, rookie Desmond Bain, it's, it's an incredible trio that they built down in Memphis. And it's cool to see, like, especially in our home state, like it's like, hey, this is, this is actually exciting because there hasn't been much excitement to come from the Grizzlies since they came here. They had a couple of years where they were the slaver teams in the West, but now they're, they're really getting looked at as a competitor out there, and it's it's pretty cool to see. But going down from them, you still have Utah Jazz who are good, the Dallas Mavericks who are finally catching fire, uh, Denver Nuggets with the Okich reigning MVP who's still out there and still dominating night in and night out. So do you guys West, feel like – do you feel like he gets overlooked and he shouldn't? Sometimes I feel like he's like – I mean, he is a def- – I mean, he's the reigning MVP, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he's like the dude – and I feel like sometimes he just gets overlooked. Am I am I crazy for thinking that? No, I, you're not crazy for thinking that. I just think you know, in the the lockout or not the lockout, the COVID year. I mean, they, they took the Lakers. They played the Lakers really hard in that playoff series. Him and Jamal Murray played very well. Murray has battled injuries since then. Um, he just doesn't have the type of team around him that you know you need for an MVP caliber player to really make noise. Um, I mean, Murray, when he's healthy, he's a he's a really good player. Um, but I mean, laugh at me if you want to, Ethan, but you need you need those th- usually but those three players, you know, that that core three to really build a team around. Um, and if you have the wrong ones, i.e. the Lakers, you're not going to be able to do what you need to do. That's what Brooklyn's struggling with right now. They have three of the most probably arguably most offensively talented players to ever come in the NBA. And they're trying to bust that up because they just don't work. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I think Jokic does get looked over. You, you see his numbers, and you're like, "Good lord!" But then you're like, "Oh yeah, he plays for Denver." On to the next. Yeah, yeah, like I, I agree with that. I think he gets overlooked, and I think it's because some people just look at him and they're like, "Oh yeah, he's a cheat code." Like it's, it's just what he does. Like this isn't anything special. Like we're used to seeing this from Jokic. So it's yeah. kind of got like that, like the Tom Brady effect, like over the years where he stopped winning MVP awards because everyone was like, oh, well, he does this every day. Or LeBron James, whenever he stopped winning MVP awards, they were like, oh, yeah, he just does this. Like this is what he does. Everyone expects it. Everyone knows it. it's nothing new. Who cares? 
So that's how I think they're kind of looking at Jokic. Gotcha. That, that's just kind of how I felt about it, too. Uh, final question on the NBA. Uh, this one directed directly towards Josh. Um, does LeBron James have enough gas to make it to when Bronny can play in the NBA? I, I think he does. I think he's going to have to go to a team where he's no longer the number one. And I don't know if he can do that. I mean, you look at some of the elite players in the NBA history, those alpha males, those alpha dogs, uh, sometimes they have a problem doing that. Um, I think if anybody will do it, it might be LeBron um, because I think he's really – he's hell-bent on playing with his son at least one year, which I think would be really cool. It would be a really interesting story. What if he went back to Cleveland for one year to play with Bronny in Cleveland? That would be cool. Uh, but I, th- I think he will. I think he will. I mean, he, he takes care of his body similar to like Brady does. Um, you know, so I think he's going to be able to play until his four into his forties and still be a solid player. I mean, obviously he's not going to be an MVP caliber player, um, but he can still turn it on every now and then. You know, a la how Tiger won the Masters. You know, he he still. Yeah, I think he's going to be somebody that could still every now and then. It might be harder to reach that switch to flip it, but he still is going to be able to flip it every now and then. He'll be sitting like my guy Kobe on the sidelines with about a million bags of ice all draped around him during yeah, the middle of a game. Yeah, absolutely. George, you think it's going to happen as well? Yeah, I think so. And like, that would just be one of the coolest stories. Like, because like with LeBron, like he has, he's gotten to the point in the NBA where he's done it all basically. And so he can kind of pick and choose who he goes to. And yeah. so like, once Bronny, or should I, I guess I can say if. Whoever whoever drafts Bronny or wherever he goes, whenever he comes to the NBA, LeBron can probably just be like dial the phone at the GM. Yeah. Like, hey, probably whatever whatever <laughs> team whatever team drafts him knows it's probably going to be a package deal. Yeah. yeah. When we draft Bronny, we're probably going to have LeBron at least for a year. Mm-hmm. So. Well, guys, it's been fun getting a chance to talk with you here a little bit sports, and uh, I know we'll have a we'll have a recap of our Super Bowl. Uh, next week and and kind of roll through that i've just been as i said there's been a lot of ovc games over the past few weeks we've had a monday thursday saturday schedule for the past I believe it's going on three weeks now where we have played a game every monday thursday and saturday and it has been the most fun of my life i guess uh it's definitely tiresome it's definitely one of those things where uh, you get a little bit behind on things that you want to do, but we should be able to get back into a great little rhythm here on Talking Schmidt and have a chance to kind of talk about it. But uh, Josh, I want to thank you so much, man, for joining us here and look forward to getting to talk to you a little bit more as well this season. Yeah, man, I really appreciate it. I had a great time um, and look forward to uh, future episodes. George, as always, you know, I, I'm always thankful to have you and uh, appreciate you when I when I asked if you were willing to do this show with me and bring it back for season three. Uh, you were like, absolutely, man, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. So uh, great, grateful as always for you, man. I appreciate that. I always enjoy talking sports and this is just now that we can hopefully get some ears to listen to our terrible predictions. Oh yeah. And yeah, also my, my terrible predictions. Josh, I don't know if you know this or not, but we're actually a, uh, a pretty big commodity in Germany. Oh, I international listeners in germany yeah we we are international my friend we have international listeners so guten tag to our friends in germany who listen to talking schmidt because i think they just 
Googled my, Googled the most common name in their country and my name popped up. But anyway, regardless of that, another great week here of Talking Schmidt. A big shout out, of course, to our friends at Big Timber Roofing, our guy Corey Turner. If you guys need a free estimate on your roof and you're in the Clarksville area, and I believe also in North Carolina, I think he's expanded out there now as well. So he has a few places that he goes to. Um, just give our guy Corey a call, 931-472-5055, or you can find him at bigtimberroofing.com or email him at bigtimberroofing at gmail.com. And he'll get you a chance to come out, look at your roof, see how much it would cost to fix it. And of course, with uh, with a lot of dangerous weather seasons coming up here, still in the months of uh, March, April, uh, really those time frames, you might want to reach out to him if you have any damage right now. But for another great week of Talking Schmidt, I want to thank you guys on behalf of George and Josh. I'm Ethan. Thank you guys for listening, and we hope that you join us again next week. <laughs>